you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. The Around the NFL podcast won a Stitcher Award, I think. Where the hell is that thing? Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Sunday night recap show, the flagship uh, show of the Around the NFL podcast. Another big week in the NFL, huh, the boss? It was the best set of uh, early games all season. Not even close. Really? Yeah. I just called it. What jumped out to you is, you know, what made it so special. Well, good games. Packers, Panthers, Raiders, Steelers, meaningful games. Vikings, Rams was a close one. Bills, Dolphins. You know, a lot of games that had meaning. Perhaps you're forgetting week three, a great no, early no, slate. that was a terrible Got a side with Dan there. Yeah. Very strong week, week three. I'll never forget the week three slate. Wes, how you doing? Good, good. For the first time in history, three, eight, no teams. That is, that's historic. Also historic, there's another downstairs in the newsroom, there's another bald white uh, that was wearing the same pullover sweatshirt as Wes. Beefy baldy. And uh, they looked like brothers. Yeah. And you have seven brothers, so, or Jason, six brothers. Jason Artilius could be a Wesling. It was yeah. impressive. That was From historic. like 10 feet away, and I don't have good eyesight, I was like, oh, Wes is coming over to get some Italian dinner. No, it was Jason. Yes. Yeah, so uh, coming up on today's show, we have, of course, the Panthers remain undefeated, and they did it in very impressive fashion by taking down the Packers. So there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, unpack Packers. I'm the host. Nailed it. Big Ben injured again. The Steelers dealing with uh, more injury woes, so we will get into that. Unpack that situation in Pittsburgh. And the Buffalo Bills, one of the teams that we forked. And, you know, this, this whole thing with the fork, they, they're back at 500 after uh, wasting the Dolphins. This thing with the fork, I don't know if we should do it anymore. Because we, uh, we're we, not very none of us feel it. confident. Uh, like, for instance, we would all take back forking the Bills. And the Raiders. And the Raiders. And I'm sure there's another team out there that could make us look silly. That's something we need to get together maybe over Danish and bagels and coffee. <laughs> well, and good teaser for Tuesday's show. This is, but it's, just, it's backing up Greg's point that we were being too you know, audacious with some of our forkings. And... You're simply just proving the boss right, so, you know. Well, it's like, I'm not, like, trying to stick it to Greg if Greg was making a good point. I know with you, you don't want to give Greg any credit, but I'm just giving Greg credit. Maybe no, I'm actually, well, Are we you know. going to do this again? <laughs> <laughs> credit. Last, the last podcast was the credit podcast. That and the one just... before that and the previous one. <laughs> so, anyway, yes, the fork, uh, we'll talk about that on, on Tuesday's show, um, our final fork conversation, at least in terms of forking teams. Uh, so, that's all... Coming up in a big show, I feel good. Who's excited? Oh, yeah. Sure. Big time. All right. Let's do it. Let's talk some football. And let's start with 
Carolina and Green Bay. And Cam Newton throws three touchdown passes, runs for another score. And the Carolina Panthers, can you believe it? Can you believe it? 8-0 with a 37-29 win over the Green Bay Packers, who have now lost two straight. Mark Sessler, nobody should be doubting the uh, Panthers as a Super Bowl contender after taking down the Packers and the Seahawks. Right? Couldn't agree more. I mean, I think that they keep proving week after week that whatever comes out them, whatever type of team it is, they'll surprise you over and over. I mean, their offense that we – I kind of ruled this Panthers offense out when Kelvin Benjamin was gone. And what they're doing, not just running the ball, but through the air today was incredibly impressive. Cam Newton threw a late pick that nearly would have turned the narrative of this game completely on its ass. But – Honestly, what he did previous to that was some of the most aggressive passing we've seen from the Panthers this year. Two passes of 50-plus yards, another one 39-yarder for a touchdown. He, he made this Green Bay defense, which has given up 500 <coughs> yards two games in a row, look desperate. The Packers getting boat raced by the Broncos, and then for the first half of this game, for six straight quarters, is one of the most surprising things, I think, to happen this year. Not just that they're getting beat, they're playing good teams, good defenses, but that it wasn't remotely competitive. Of course, they, they did you know, make a good comeback in this 37 game. 37-14 to 14 at one point. They did come back. You know, an NFL media insider Ian Rappaport noted before the game that there was issues in Green Bay with their passing game, and they wanted to go less aggressive and start throwing more methodical short routes. And we saw that early and it didn't work at all. It, did, it was almost like Rodgers just didn't trust the receivers that he has out there. Second half, they got going, and they just went back to what they do with him at quarterback, and they, they made a game of this. It was very concerning for uh, Carolina Lake. And we have um, some video uh, on the sideline. The Packers, this kind of tells you a little bit about the frustration. Do we have that, TD? Um, the frustration, and uh, you could watch us, of course, on YouTube uh, uh, every Sunday show is on YouTube. Check that out. But uh, B.J. Raji, Haha Clinton Dix, get get into it on the sidelines um, at one point, and it just shows the frustration bubbling over. I think there was a feeling, especially in the early part of the season, that this was going to be one of those Packers seasons where they roll into fourteen and two, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they hit this choppy water. The well, offensive line was just as much of a problem as the receivers have been made out to be. Absolutely. Rodgers got hit, what, 14 times today? Yep, sacked five times. And, I mean, if it wasn't for his completely stellar footwork and the way he is able to escape the rush, he would have been sacked nine times. Well, you talked about Cam Newton going down the field. If he's hitting vertical plays to Funchess and Jericho Cothry, which I wouldn't necessarily expect each week, I mean, then this team can win a Super Bowl. I mean, that that is the thing that would hold this team back theoretically i think they're good enough to get the number one seed in the nfc and certainly contend for a super bowl they're now two games up on the field but if they start getting that passing game going consistently i mean they, they have everything I mean, they only needed uh jonathan stewart hit about 60 yards and it wasn't we just have a one-dimensional run-based attack newton killed him with his feet stewart did just enough they trust stewart on long third downs to give him the ball and he converted but you're right, it was the passing game and Newton's trust of his receivers. I mean, he's throwing ball 40 yards through the air and trusting his receivers to make the catch Devin, at the point of attack. I mean, Devin Funches, who had given them nothing really this season to this point, if he becomes a, a player on this offense and then you have Greg Olson and Jonathan, Stew- Jonathan Stewart's running well, they're going to score enough points. And, I mean, they're for real. At 8 no, what, how can you doubt them at this point? Well, I, I almost want to see, was this Green Bay's defense? Because they looked that bad and looked Two that bad. Two games in a row yeah. against, against offenses that aren't known to light people up. What happened the game before that? That was Phillip Rivers' 500-yard game. Mm. Mark made a good point in the newsroom about the Panthers' stability as an organization. They could have easily fired Ron Rivera after a year or two. Mm-hmm. Instead, they gave him an extension. And if you look at the three undefeated teams... Belichick and Marvin Lewis are the two longest-tenured coaches in the league. They've got a combined 29 years. Ron Rivera's been in Carolina for five years. They gave him an extension. I think there's a lot to be said for that stability. Absolutely. Is it crazy to start thinking about 16-0 and 0 for yes. the Panthers? Because if you look at their schedule, I think the odds are, of course, they're going to get picked off one of these weeks. But if you look at their schedule, there isn't a single particularly hard game left on it. There's not a game where they're not going to be favored significantly. Added, you know, the Falcons no longer looks like that tough of a game. They got to sweeten that's tough. You got to go to New Orleans. That's not necessarily easy. But there are, there are no great teams left on this Carolina schedule. So even if they don't go to 16-0, maybe they could threaten it. And if they don't go 14-2, and I'd be stunned. They're going to get that. I think 
if and this is a credit to the Panthers, not taking it away. Like they could easily be five and three right now. They've been games where they they they've been outplayed or things broke the right way at the end of the game or they made the play to win the game. So this has been a very different. Like when they talk about the Patriots at eight and zero, I feel differently. Like I think they have a real shot at it. But I think the Panthers will have some weeks where they because they can get picked off by most teams that are average and better. I I don't think they're a dominant team. I think they also came into the year though having to figure out who they were on offense especially, and I don't, I, for, for me, I don't care if they go 16-0. They're in pole position just to have home field throughout the playoffs, which would be completely unexpected for this team. As great as Cam Newton's been this year, we all know he's one of the most inconsistent passers in the league. It wouldn't surprise me at all if he just has a, a bad game and they lose. Did you guys hear about Bannergate? Yes. <laughs> yes, we did. We so, can't well, not to use the word gate the listeners. any longer when it comes to controversy. Right. Mark and Greg and I exchanged a heated debate about this subject before you entered the... <laughs> what was got it? up here. Let, well, what, let me just fill in the listeners <laughs> right. first. That Bannergate occurred when Cam Newton was stretching before this game on Sunday and saw a Packers fan hanging up a banner at Bank of America Stadium that said, you know, it was like Packer country in North Carolina, ripped the banner down, and the fan who had paid $500 to make that banner and was planning to hang it in his man room, quote-unquote, uh, reported it to the local authorities and Panthers officials. Now, what were you saying? That's ridiculous. Greg thinks, these guys, Greg thinks Cam Newton should be allowed to go out and break whatever these he wants. These guys suddenly wants and care, care about the smallest things. If you spend $500 on a sign, you deserve to lose that money. That's what? ridiculous. What Greg said to Wes and I before you <laughs> appeared in the room was that I don't care about the working person. Well, Greg's not a regular <laughs> Joe. No, that's, he's not. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. Hey, here's what regular Joes do. They spend $500 on a silly sign. That's he not what regular wants, Joes do. That's wants what to psychopaths t- do. He wants to tailgate with it and then put it in his man room. That's regular Joes don't admit, have that kind of scratch line around. Admit, admit that you struggle a, to put yourself in the mind of the average man. Uh, no, I am the average man. Well, <laughs> but, me, no. I don't I, think it's some huge deal and Cam Newton should be castigated for it, but he should have to... The Panthers well, should... Reimburse this guy as five hundred. Apparently, the Panthers did intimate that to the man that they'll take care of him. But you know, Cam, come on. A multi-million dollar corporation, the Carolina Panthers can can they float five hundred dollars for a sign that's well, they better like stomp? The, yeah, they better. And, and you know, this isn't Cam's first time stealing things. I'm just gonna say it. Ooh, oh, there's well. a history. All right. Mm, moving on. Sticky fingers, Newton, they call them. <laughs> so, Carolina remains unbeaten. How about the Denver Broncos? Uh, Andrew Luck picked a great time to return to form on Sunday, throwing for 252 yards and a touchdown and two touchdowns in a 27-24 win, knocking the Broncos from the ranks of the unbeaten. Chris Wessling, this game was supposed to be all about Peyton Manning setting records. Instead, the real Andrew Luck returned. Yeah, the Broncos are actually kind of lucky they were in this game. They got a long punt return as time expired going into halftime to get on the board, and then Peyton Manning hit Emmanuel Sanders with a 64-yard touchdown in the third quarter. Outside of those two plays, the Colts just absolutely dominated the first three, first three quarters. Andrew Luck looked this was easily his best game of the year. Well, Denver came out of halftime, put together a big drive, tied the game in the middle of the third quarter. And at that point, they had all the momentum in the world, if that's a thing that exists. And you just thought the better team is going to, you know, stand up here. And that was a team, that was a spot where I thought the Colts were going to absolutely roll over. And instead, they respond with a great drive against the defense we've been calling the best in the league. And then they do it again at the end of the game, a six-minute drive to end the game. You know, you hear about a four-minute offense often in the NFL, try to kill the clock and end the game. They killed six minutes and three of the Broncos' timeouts. That's one of the best drives anyone's had all year. Two words, Rob Chudzinski. <laughs> yes. I, knew, it, I was wondering downstairs how long it would take for Mark to spin it back to an OC. So you're saying all of this is because Rob Chudzinski got promoted, Andrew Luck now great again, all for Chud. 100%. Well, in Mark's defense, the wide receivers were more open. If you've been watching the Colts this year, you know that one of the reasons Luck's been holding the ball is because the wide receivers aren't separating. They got open against a very the best secondary in the league, or one of the best secondaries in the league. Well, Akib Talib, very good cornerback. Not so good uh, with his actions at the end of the game. They would have had a chance mm. to get the ball back, and he sticks his fingers... That was pretty good, though. In right terms in, of what like, was it? Dwayne Allen, was it? Yeah, old yeah. school. Right in his eyes. Old school eye gouge. 
You don't see much of those anymore. Like Mo from the Three Stooges. Yeah, exactly. Nice Three Stooges reference. I like it. Uh, right. You don't see it a lot though. And 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 to top it off, it was like it reminded me of like an old '80s wrestling thing when someone would rake Hulk Hogan's eyes, and then Hogan would be like feeling around, like ah. Yeah. Right. Wayne Allen sold it pretty well as well. I well, thought. that's what Akeem Talib said after the game. You would have thought that he was in a 16 car accident the way he reacted. Uh, Dwayne Allen, that was after the game. That, that did cost him a chance. It did prevent. What would have been the most like anticlimactic moment of the day was Peyton Manning was about to get back out on the field, throw a pass, complete it, and he would have broken the passing yards record then. He was only three yards short in a meaningless moment where they had really no chance. Great. Another week of this breaking records for Peyton Manning chatter. Do we have to write more material on this now? Because it's gonna Well, yeah, I had already written the one for breaking it this week, so now we're going to have to pre-write one for next week. At least we know what will happen at the beginning of the game. That doesn't really matter. I'm more, I'm more concerned about the long-term stuff here for the Colts. I mean, does this mean we think we feel pretty safe having forked the rest of the AFC South? Well, we haven't forked the Titans yet, by the way. I called them a bad, bad football team because they played like a bad, bad football team, but they were a pretty good team today. They looked pretty well-rounded. They lost Mike Adams to an ankle injury and Henry Anderson, their really good rookie defensive end, to a knee injury. We'll have to see how serious those are. But those two guys have been probably two of their three or four best defensive players. If you even get luck at, you know, mid-tier between this game and some of the others, they're going to win this division easy. Yeah. It is crazy, though, because Monday night Andrew Luck was really appalling at times. And this Andrew Luck was the guy that we remembered from last year and the year before that. I mean, it was like first two time, guys. First time all year. Even going back to week one, it's the first time all year that I've thought Andrew Luck looked like the Andrew Luck we're used to seeing. You know what's a big difference is he's made so many bad decisions of, of when to run. Or, or won't even run throughout He's the been, season. And he was great today on picking and up. And the last two quarters against the Panthers, he was, yeah, he was phenomenal with his legs today. How about Peyton Manning? The response last week after he had that big game was like, okay, maybe Peyton Manning's coming back all the way this year. His arm looked fine. It looked better than it did in the first seven weeks, but... The first half looked a lot like the playoff loss, where he's just throwing over and over again downfield and not connecting on anything. He came came alive a little bit in the second half, but still threw like the game-sealing interception to Darius Butler. All right, let's get into talk of two more AFC playoff contenders. Uh, Antonio Brown went off on Sunday, 17 catches, 284 yards. Again, Mark, this is you and your brother dueling on Super Tecmo Bowl back in 91. That's the type of production we're talking about. Those weren't duels. Because <laughs> oh, you destroyed your brother. No, actually, uh, you know, he, I'm going to hear from him at some point because he listens to this show. Yeah, he, he maybe was we should quite get him on the show. He's a good player. Anyway, he's not against me. Antonio Brown goes 17 for 284. <laughs> Excuse me. No touchdowns. You stink. Uh, but it didn't matter. He led the Steelers to a 38-35 win over the Oakland Raiders, a game that came down to a field goal at the gun. So a big win for the Steelers. But, Greg, nice win. Steelers get it done, tempered, though, by another huge injury to one of their key players, their most important player. And Roethlisberger is out with a midfoot sprain, is what Albert Breer is reporting for us. It's supposed to come out a couple of weeks. They have the Browns this week in Pittsburgh, and then they have a bye. So if you are creating a scenario of when to have a multiple-week injury, this is it, because they can possibly win that game against the Browns. I don't think it's a possible run. Well, you know, Landry Jones will be starting. And then you get a week off. Maybe you get Roethlisberger back after that. And, and if they make the playoffs, they're 5-4 and four now. These two games where they had their backup quarterback come in and win at the end, it was Michael Vick against the Rams, and now Landry Jones against the Raiders could be the difference of them making the playoffs. The Raiders came back, and they tied this game. But it was Landry Jones who basically just did what Ben Roethlisberger did all day, got the ball to Antonio Brown and let Antonio Brown do the best. They could direct snap the ball to Heath Miller next week and beat the Browns. (laughs) I mean, it was one of the most amazing two-person performances, maybe the most in NFL history. Antonio Brown had 284. D'Angelo Williams... uh, I was in well over 100. They combined for 531 total yards from scrimmage. That's the most in NFL history from two people. Are you just saying that Le'Veon Bell is basically a system back? No. Are I mean, you saying that the Raiders' secondary is trash? The Raiders' secondary is going to prevent them from making the playoffs. I think in the end, I think that's what's going to keep them. They, they have a chance. Their offense is Who did they have guarding Antonio Brown? DJ Hayden early and then Amerson later? Amerson, DJ Hayden. Hayden got hurt in the game, so that didn't help. 
Uh, I guess that doesn't help but because he's not very good either. Charles Woodson gave up a lot of big plays. You can shut up about your def- Charles Woodson for Defensive Player of the Year. A lot of throws going over his head. Antonio Brown would have had another 60 yards if Ben Roethlisberger had hit him on a wide-open deep player. People the only watching the highlights the, have Charles Woodson in a keep. There he, there's Charles Woodson if you're watching on YouTube getting outrun the, there. Well, the hero worship of Charles Woodson and a great career, and he's going into the camp, he's going into the hall, but like people talking him up as a Defensive Player of the Year. It's gotten so out of control on that last Antonio Brown reception that basically put the game away. Dan Fouts on the CBS broadcast is like bellowing. He's like, oh, and look who comes and gets him. Charles Woodson. Like, then you're giving him, you're trying to give him more credit for getting beat on a 60-yard reception? Come on. I feel bad now that we're piling on Charles Woodson. He's legitimately having a Pro Bowl season as a a 39-year-old. I'm the one who started it. But he, he should not be in that category. Shame on you. Greg, if you're going to start it, finish it. Say well, something we, really I, I really apologize. We <laughs> called their secondary trash, but let's credit their offense. 2013-2014, they didn't have a single 30-yard game. They have four of them this year. They wow. were limited in a lot of the game, especially the first half, by the Steelers' defense, which has been better. But... What they do is when they explode, it is fast. It's a 40-yard run by Latavius Murray, who also left this game uh, with an injury and did not return concussion. a concussion. His second in the last 10 or 11 months. And that was a big loss late because he, he has looked great the last couple weeks. He's a true power back. But when they suddenly score, it's in bunches. Michael Crabtree, an- another 100-yard game. Yeah. Eric Carr, some beautiful touch passes over the middle. Uh, very clutch. He had his one bad throw the whole day. It was an interception late in the game, but they got the ball back and then tied it up. Crabtree's like going to get paid. They lost this game, and it's it was a kind of a heartbreaking loss. But we've got Will behind the glass. He's a Raiders fan. Shouldn't he feel hopeful about what's Who, happening Yonkers? in Oakland? Yeah. I would be excited because you've got a quarterback and everything starts to change. At this point, Derek Carr is far ahead this season than – the other guys that have been drafted over the last three years. I mean, he's far ahead of where Teddy Bridgewater or Bortles or certainly anyone from the class before them is. Moving on, the Buffalo Bills are back at 500 after Sammy Watkins enjoyed a career day, 168 yards uh, receiving and a touchdown in a 33-17 win over the Miami Dolphins in Orchard Park. Yes, it is the end of the Dan Campbell honeymoon period. The Dolphins now 3-5. and five. Another team that we forked, and this one feels good because I think the Dolphins, you could not, you don't have to worry about a resurgence from them. They look like uh, an obviously inferior team all game. They are now 0-4, the Dolphins are, in the AFC East, mm. and they've been outscored 137-52 to in those losses. Oh, my gosh. You shouldn't even be allowed to play the next two. Just kick them right out of the division, relegation. Hmm. And Dan Campbell made one of those decisions that sometimes having the interim coach can backfire on you because – their whole thing, it's always like, we're changing the culture around here. And at the end of the first half, they have it, at, you know, they're down 19 to 10, 19 7, I believe, actually. And they have it at the one yard line with two seconds to go. And Dan Campbell's like, oh, you're going to make a statement. And they go for it twice, pass incomplete. They leave points on the field. Uh, just kind of, it just, it just shows that the Dolphins, the fun period of those two weeks against those bad teams is over. And then on the Bills' side of the ball, this team is scary. And I got the, the Jets got the Bills coming to the Meadowlands in four days. This team, when it's healthy, and Tyrod Taylor back in the lineup, uh, and Sammy Watkins looking like a guy that was worthy of the first-round pick, Carlos Williams and LaShawn McCoy both went over 100 yards rushing. Uh, McCoy especially, he kind of reminded me of uh, 2013 McCoy on his touchdown run, and Tyrod Taylor did not look affected by that MCL sprain. He moved well. Uh, Put it all together. This team is an offensive team, which is so crazy with Rex Ryan as the head coach. I think that's why they were so frustrated after the Jaguars loss, a game that had you had all these players on the field, they would have won hands down. And that changed the complexion of their season. But to come back and take this thing today, with Tyrod Taylor as quarterback, we are stupid to have forked the Bills. Because right. I think this is a very interesting offense. I, I think he was very, hurt when we did fascinating it. No, it was just last week. It, it wasn't long, long ago. I mean, last no, it was, was after the ago. last game. I was in London, so I don't take. I'm not going right. to. You know, I I, Actually, I put it on your three. You were technically <laughs> on soil that. in Culver City at the time we were taping it. Technically, well, you, well, you were you were eating Danish in the corner, but not taking part in the discussion. <laughs> no, I you know I found out that it happened after, and it's you know it's shame on the three of you. Yeah, but I, we'll get through it. it. It was my fault. I should not have allowed it to happen. 
I still think they have an uphill battle to make the playoffs. But at this point, as we're sitting here today, okay, it was a tough loss for the Raiders and, you know, the Bills that lost to Jacksonville. They're tied for the last playoff spot at 4-4. Four and four. four losses is the last playoff spot in the AFC. So this race is just starting. Even a team like the Dolphins can convince themselves they're in it because they're only one loss behind. This, this podcast has mirrored the Bills season, too, and the fact that we will be sky high on the Bills saying how, oh, how stupid we were to count them out and how loaded this team is. And then they lay an egg, and then we're down. And, Mark, you're talking about maybe assassinating Rex Ryan, and we're talking about how they can't put it together. They don't have the right uh, scheme, and the defense stinks. Maybe we should, again, take a deep breath before putting them in the playoffs. I agree. Because they have been inconsistent all year. I forked the Bills for, for one reason, out of spite. Because <laughs> You're someone, a spiteful man. Someone with a lot of influence on their coaching staff thinks that E.J. Manuel might be better than Tyrod Taylor. And if you think that, I'm sorry. You're <laughs> well, I have to it assume that, that, that is now. over at this point. That hubbub is just well, yes. utter nonsense. Yes, that is over. He, he, t- he was 11 for 12 today. Tyrod Taylor changed everything with this team. They went from, in August, being a team that seemed like they would be an all-surround team because they still were going to have the quarterback problem, to Taylor being looking like a guy. He looks like the type of guy. And he didn't throw a lot of passes in this game. But the team, they just go with him. They, they're an erratic team, but they have shown greatness in their good games they have dominated the games that they won the two against the dolphins the one against the colts uh in in week one certainly i mean when they're at their very best you can see there's a lot to be excited about a lot of talent sammy Watkins, by the way looked really good in this game he ate brent grimes's lunch yeah He he had basically every yard that taylor threw i mean i think it was everything but 13 or 14 yards it's pretty rare to see a guy with more receiving yards than the team has net passing yards Mm, that's almost impossible Darn near. Nice. Stats. Stats are cool. (laughs) Moving forward, the Minnesota Vikings have moved into a first-place tie in the NFC North following a 21-18 win over the St. Louis Rams. Chris Wessling, this was supposed to be the big battle between AP and Todd Gurley, but neither player delivered the signature game that we perhaps expected. What was this game really about? This was a Jeff Fisher fever dream. Hide the quarterback, two bell cow running backs, and good defense. Mm. And dirty hits. Dirty hits. That's well, all, all the recipes. That. And ultimately a loss. It's, uh, it's what Jeff Fisher's all about. <laughs> Mike Zimmer was livid, you could tell, during the game. Teddy Bridgewater got hit late on the knee on one play that wasn't called. And then a few plays later, LaMarcus Joyner leveled him right in the head when he was sliding. And Zimmer lost it. He oh, was livid. Uh, he knocked him unconscious on the field. Uh, Bridgewater out with a concussion. And after the game, this is what Mike Zimmer had to say. A very angry Mike Zimmer. I would say if we were out in the street, we probably would have had a fight. I do know that there's a history there of their defensive coordinator. I'll leave it at that. And the name of that defensive coordinator, Chris Wesley? The only one in the league with a dyed goatee and a frosted tip in his hair, Greg Williams. Mm. Um, <laughs> Giving Greg's with a double G at the end a bad of course, game. Everywhere. The defensive coordinator of the Bounty Gate Saints team, and it led to a banishment. From a man football. on record is saying if you get the head, the body will die. Well... In, Literally. In fairness, this is a sliding play that if you watch it in full speed, it doesn't look that crazy. It was a little bit bang-bang. If bang. you listen to Lamarcus Joyner after the game, he, he said, my, friend, my parents are friends with his parents. I grew up miles away from him. The last thing in the world I would ever want to do is to put Teddy Bridgewater out of the game. Like, I, I wish I didn't you know, hit him in the head. It was just I was coming after him right when he right. slid, and that's what happened. It's a, it's a scary, football's a scary game. Like, it, I didn't see it as a vicious hit. I think Zimmer's emotional in the moment right after the game because his quarterback literally is laid out on the field unconscious for a moment, and it hurts their team. But to me, I, I thought the reaction was a little strong for what the play was. Well, it might have been. I mean, I think it's the second week in a row that we've seen someone knocked out cold on the field. And watching Bridgewater go down that way, that, as a fan, just watching it, that was weird. You're going to get mad because a couple of plays before they hit him low, he was outside the pocket, so it actually wasn't a penalty. But he, So there's that, and then the Fisher reputation, and it's your quarterback. I mean, you can understand why they get fired up. Yeah. It's Greg Williams' history. That's what's got Zimmer fired up. Rodney Harrison on uh, Sunday Night Football's pregame show had a pretty nasty thing to say about Jeff Fisher. He, he referenced a, a game during his career in which one of uh, his, uh, Harrison's teammates got laid out and seriously injured, and he looked up and said he saw Jeff Fisher laughing. 
on the opposing sideline. I mean, Jeff Fisher has a reputation among other coaches and, and people. His teams, you know, play to the edge, or they're dirty teams. They were dirty with Odell Beckham at the end of last year. The, the Rams, though, lose this game, and the Vikings continue to win these ugly games by three points. I swear they're the least impressive 6-2 and two team possible, but now they're tied for the NFC North lead with the Their Packers. schedule is outrageous coming up, though. If, yeah, if they are both the the Packers mix. and Vikings, both six and two. But does anyone sitting here think that the Packers have any chance of not winning this division? Still, they got to get their stuff together. They they haven't played well. But it's it's yeah. It's the way I feel about the, the Carolina Panthers too. With the consistency, when you start having the same staff, same quarterback, same offensive players around year after year, don't we trust Green Bay to get back on track? Sure. The Vikings, there's no track record of this. So, what did you see from Peterson and Gurley today? The longest run was 16 yards between the two of them. Uh, defenses were stacking the boxes, of course, because it's Teddy Bridgewater and Nick Foles. And Linval Joseph for the Vikings needs to be in the Pro Bowl this year. Having a great year last week, or the week before that, Zimmer said that he is the best nose tackle he's ever coached. Hmm. And he was a big reason why Gurley was basically bottled up. He's been huge really all year for them. I mean, they have a, they have a defense that... You don't get excited about individual players. I wouldn't even say Everson Griffin's having one of his best seasons. Xavier Rhodes is certainly not having Harrison his best Smith's season. Harrison Smith's been yet. great. Harrison Smith's been great. Uh, Anthony Barr is very good. Yeah, and then they get it done week after week. And then the Rams offense, this they're the worst third down, third down offense in football. They have four conversions in their last three games combined. Four! That's real That's bad. That's a mess. Their whole offense is runs to Gurley, gadget plays to Austin, and then fakes to Gurley and Austin to set up. And then occasional bomb. They'll hit, yeah. they'll hit one to Britt or Brian Quick once a game or so. And I think they did to But everything's Britt, based off of Gurley and Austin and their misdirection and play fakes there. Uh, moving forward, uh, Blaine Gabbert made the most of his starting opportunity for the 49ers, throwing for 185 yards and two touchdowns to lead San Francisco to a 17-16 win over the, yeah, I said it, fading Atlanta Falcons. Greg, the Falcons have lost three of four now after... Bold statement there. Well, I also, speaking of bold statement, in our story last week on the uh, old NFL.com, predicted they're going to miss the playoffs. And I did not think they were going to blow this game, but they did. Is a panic time in A-Town, Greg. Yeah, they've been... We've said they've been a mediocre team all along, so now they're losing these close games instead of it's a bad team. winning them. It's a bad, it's a 7-9, and 8-8 eight and eight type of team to me that, that started out on fire, and now they're losing these close games. I think they'll wind up winning some of these close games too, but to lose to Blaine Gabbert, who was much more decisive than Colin Kaepernick and ultimately played a lot better. It's easy to play better when you're facing the Falcons' pass rush, which is actually worse this year under Dan Quinn than it was a year ago. Gabbert threw a, a bad interception midway through the fourth quarter, so people should hold off on saying he, you know, it should have really set up uh, a game-winning drive for the Falcons. But instead, Dan Quinn makes the worst coaching decision of the entire season. I can't believe I didn't just start with this. Fourth <laughs> down at the two-yard line, two minutes and 56 seconds to go. Down four, Dan Quinn decides to kick a field goal to cut the lead to one and then kick off. He had only had two timeouts because he just blew one on a stupid challenge about five minutes before. So what do the 49ers do? They get the ball. They run a bootleg with Gabbert. They, he picks up the first down. Game over. They it's never like get Mike the ball Smith back. Mike gave him an envelope when he took over and said, if you get into a fix, do what I'm going to tell you to do inside this. <laughs> yeah, it's like Jim Caldwell took over his body for a moment. You, got, you have Matt Ryan and Julio Jones and Devontae Freeman. You're at the two-yard line. And if... If you don't get it, it's not like you have to lose the game. You can still get that three and out you think your defense can get. He said he was having faith in the defense. It didn't work. I, play to win the game. Works. He played to win the game. The Dan Qu Remember, Dan Quinn, we were giving him a lot of credit early in the season for being the difference maker. I guess these things kind of average out. Maybe Dan Quinn isn't the uh, godsend that he initially seemed That's an indefensible I, I still think he's a, a, like a very good coach. He's, oh, yeah. It's just that the, you know, the Falcons are what their talent level is as well. Well, they should be doing – it was the first game where an opposing defense just decided to stop Devontae Freeman, and they did it. 49ers gave up 17 yards rushing in the entire game. Navarro I, Bowman had a big game. Navarro Bowman is starting to look like Navarro Bowman again. I, I think Freeman might have ended up with 12 yards, I believe. In the, they got absolutely nothing going on the ground. Julio Jones had a good game, but that wasn't enough. 
I got to give credit to Jim Tomsula too, um, because this this season really had a, a chance, and it maybe it still will, to a complete spiral show where they lose twelve in a row or something to end the season. So this was this was putting up some uh, some a respectful game. And and what other theory that I want to throw out there is the inherent risks, whether you're a regular person or a, a quarterback, of growing your hair out because it could either be a situation where you look cool, uh, Greg, your yearbook photo. Uh, oh, yeah. It's been floating around social media. That looks great. Um, or it can make you look goofy, and it, it ends up being something you regret. Andy Dalton grows his hair out, looks badass, becomes one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Colin Kaepernick grows his hair out, mm. look goofy. Now he's on the bench and Blaine Gabbert. Blaine Gabbert used to have long away. hair, couldn't have stunk any worse. He's cut it clean and starting to play well. One of the, I think that's going to change in about a week. Today, <laughs> the lowest moment of Colin Kaepernick's career came because he had to come into this game for a couple plays. Uh, Blaine Gabbert went through the concussion protocol after taking a couple hits. Gap- Kaepernick comes out there. The minute that Gabbert comes back on the field... The crowd, which was half-filled, by the way, but the half that was there went absolutely crazy that they got Blaine Gabbert back on the field. I Very weird. <laughs> I, I mean, there, there's always surprises every week in the NFL, but the fact that Blaine Gabbert led a 49ers team over Ugh. a 5-2 and two or a 6-2 and two Falcons team, stunning to me. I should have gone with my Blaine's World headline from the future. Oh, it was all set, and I please. blew it. What a missed opportunity that was. Okay. It is uh, that time of the show where we welcome in a friend of the show and really the unofficial fifth member of the Around the NFL podcast. You know who I'm talking about. She is the Wolf Woman, Connie Fox. Oh, man. Colleen Wolf is back. But now that's so much worse. <laughs> it, I mean, it's somehow the awkward ISO cam gets more awkward each week. Uh, yeah, that's my goal. So I'll do, I've done this before, little Shooter McGavin. Yeah. I'll do that, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen next time. Connie Fox, welcome back to the show. How, how are things going? Things are great. Thanks for having me back. The NFL Now Exciting. game day blitz program, you did about seven hours on that. Yeah, uh-huh. that was like seven hours ago. Yeah. You know, it's good. Whatever you can get on the couch. <laughs> right. It's energy. You got on the couch. You get on the couch. You on the and, couch? You know. Greg was on the couch. Yeah, former players can kind of ignore what you say. And then you, you no. banter with Shaq a little bit. And everybody has a fun time on the couch. It's a great system. There was uh, some Cam Newton heat, right, when you were on? Is that what that? Oh, yeah. I was just trying to say, like, what's the point of arguing, like, that he's the second place of the MVP race? It's not a NBA ballot where you can put in five different places. He's not even close to the number one, so just quit it. So heated debates today on the couch. I, everybody check it out at NFL Now. It's better than the games. So I would much rather hear Greg debate, you know, the number two place in the MVP voting than actually watch Panthers. Every Sunday, Panthers right? 10 a.m. on the Every West Sunday, Coast. yep. There you go. So we want to talk some football, Colleen? Let's do it. Yeah, that would right. be cool. Let's do it. The New York Giants. Uh, will remain atop the division for another week after taking care of the Buccaneers, a 32-18 win in Jason Pierre-Paul's debut with the team. Uh, Colleen, were you impressed with what you saw from the NFC East leaders? Uh, the NFC East, it's fine. I mean, hey, the <laughs> Giants defense, actually, after looking really awful the week before, they held the Bucks to basically field goals, and Jameis Winston somehow rushed for a touchdown. That was weird. That's but, it. Steve Spagnolo, baby. Yeah. Spaggy. So that, uh, they had three takeaways, and as you said, JPP, he was in on the mix again on the field. But, yeah, I think Odell Beckham Jr., anytime he's in the game, you can't really count them out. Mark, you uh, watch this game. ODB got the ball a lot or thrown his way a lot today. 17 targets, season high. I mean, they basically said this is – our weapon, we're going to go to him over and over and over and over. And Eli Manning threw two terrible picks that kind of kept Tampa in this game. And, you know, honestly, Doug Martin has been so good this season, but the Giants, and I don't know if it had to do with JPP. It did a little bit. He played at like 75% of their snaps. Wow. They shut this Bucks run game down mm. until Charles Sims blew it open with a late, long run that kept, you know, that again kept Tampa in the game. Jameis Winston, it was another good step for him. Right, Greg, you've been talking about him for a couple weeks, and, and it was he hasn't thrown a pick since week four. And wow. it was another day of mistake-free football. They's got, they've got to turn these field goal drives yeah. into touchdown drives. That was the difference here. But the Giants, it was a very Giants-y game. Not very impressive. 
you know, they're hanging on to this game lead I, in the NFC East. I picked against the Giants because this felt like the kind of spot where the Giants would either lay an egg on the road or they'd let a game get away. And for a while, it looked like the Bucks could steal it. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, the Giants found a way to hold on. And they got a garbage six points at the end on a, a lateral play that turned into a touchdown. So it makes it look like it wasn't a close game, but this was a close game. Yeah. It How was. much of that from the Buccaneers was Mike Evans dropping passes? Well, Mike Evans dropped passes. You know, the running backs dropped passes. They were not doing Winston any favors. Evans, you know, he's sneaky. He looks like from the box score that he blew up and had a big day. But he makes the catches you don't think he'll make. And then he drops these easy ones mm. and leaves Tampa's offense in a fix sometimes. There's a little like Amari Cooper today, I would say, at his worst day as a pro. And he still went over 100 yards despite that. The Eli Manning box score is, is typical for me for Eli Manning this year. Like he throws for five yards per attempt on 40 throws, which is in the Gabbard zone. He has a couple picks to go with his two touchdowns, but it doesn't matter. They're somehow five and four. They're overachieving at this point. And they can't run the ball either. No, they have five running backs that each have like four carries. Well, you say they're overachieving, but if you ask a Giants fan, they'll say the Giants should be seven and two right now because they've given away games time and time again this season. They're having a strange little season right now. I agree. I mean, they, they, there's nothing about them that screams, we're good at this. Like, what are they good at? They don't have anything they're particularly good at other than they have Odo Beckham, which is who's breaking every record now. Now you're starting to get with Odo Beckham, like, the fastest to do this, the fastest to, to do that. That's pretty much happening every game he plays. They're good imagine, at being five and four. Imagine how good he would be if Ruben Randall could actually start doing things as well. Then you would have all sorts of guys catching. Well, you know, it'd be nice if Victor Cruz, who, by the way, didn't blow off half his hand in 4th of July, on 4th of July, couldn't make it back before JPP. Who knows if we're ever going to see Victor Cruz again. He's still missing, and that's hurt this team as well. You're both right, because, you know, Beckham, who took a lot of heat for not wanting to deal with contact. I mean, he's getting double teamed left and right, and they're not scared of anyone else in that offense. What was this? I kept reading on Twitter that Odell Beckham wasn't playing with gloves on at one point. Yeah, well, it was it was a pouring <laughs> glove rain. Gate? He typically always wears gloves, and he, he had no gloves, so I don't know what the strategy is. Greg, your were. thoughts on Glovegate? I'm not in favor of it. Glovegate. <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving on. It is time, TD. You know where we got to go now. To the throne of ease. Mm. <laughs> the cherubs floating... Dropping grapes into Greg's mouth. <laughs> Not really flexible. Small today. little children, ah. little diapers, blowing trumpets. Just little boys all around Greg, giving any need he could ever have. Why do I have little boys around? Because that's, that's like a rich, weird. like royal person has little boy servants and manservants. And that's ah, please, sort of serve odd. me up Kirk Cousins matchups every week. The Thank New England you. Patriots are halfway to perfection. Tom Brady threw two touchdown passes, and LeGarrette Blunt ran for 129 yards. And a score in a 27 to 10 win over the Redskins. Colleen, what's the point of these bum teams even showing up in Foxborough when we gotta deal with these one sided games that only give Greg more joy that he doesn't need at this point? It's overkill. I'm sorry. Um, I'm sorry, Greg. Wow. No, listen, I mean, honestly, though, who is going to stop the Patriots right now? Can anything or anyone? They keep dealing with these injuries, and they still look just as good. That offensive line, they're playing a tight end in there at one point. Right, doesn't matter. Does not matter at all. Yeah. A converted right tackle, though. Deion Lewis, he goes down, not a problem. Let's get somebody else in there. Let's get Brandon Bolden in there. He can catch passes, too. He can run the ball. (laughs) It's crazy how good they are. They're not stopping anytime soon. There, Jamie Collins also banged up a little bit, but you mentioned Throne of Ease. This mm. was maybe the worst uh, regular season game about they've had because if Deion Lewis oh, is team. out for a long time or if, it, if it's really serious, he's out for the season, something like that, which it doesn't sound like initially, that is a massive, massive loss for them. Well, you're right, Craig, but the, every time New, New England won the game by 17 points, and they won it easily, by the way. That was a late score just to get it even to halfway respectable looking. But the point is what Colin just made. I mean, Brandon Bolden, who's been in bubble wrap for a year and a half, comes out of nowhere, and he completely flames the Redskins' defense <laughs> that we were talking highly of a couple weeks ago. So it is like, yeah, Deion Lewis is a huge loss, but no team in the league does a better job of taking other people's trash and just two weeks later they're shining in New England. They've had more line changes than any team in the NFL, and it doesn't matter. Brandon it doesn't Golden matter. Brandon will be back in bubble route next, next week. James White <laughs> was inactive today. 
I think he was a healthy scratch. If they if Deion Lewis doesn't play, they'll bring James White it's, back. They, on they need offensive linemen. Sebastian Vollmer went out. Obviously, Solder's out for the year. If if for some reason Vollmer was out for a while, eventually these problems will matter when you play teams like the Broncos or the Bengals. They're they're in a race right now for that bye, which is vitally important because whoever gets the three seed is going to have to play two road games. And you're not really going to have a chance to lose many games. You might have to go 15-1 and one to get that bye this year. Don't it must be nice me. to be in New England. Your attempt at drumming up, you know, sympathy for the, I'm not the, trying the, to. It's the great. hard-scrabbled, you know, white-knuckled Patriots. It's just not really This season's working. a bonus. It's a happy bonus. <laughs> sympathy <laughs> for a team that scored in, what, 31 straight quarters? That's right. Every quarter since uh, the first one. They that is scored. an amazing stat. <laughs> it That's really crazy. is. Mm-hmm. 31 Must be nice, guy. Why does it all have to be about me? I don't know. Maybe just... you just make it about the excellence of uh, potentially the greatest quarterback of all time and the greatest coach of all time. You're getting to witness as can a we football stop with fan. The, can we stop with the potentially stuff? Please. He's the greatest. Come on. Which one? Tom Brady. Both. Belichick's. Belichick would probably defer Let's... to Paul Brown. All right. Just, just to bring Greg down a little bit. Uh, Greg, uh, Mark, can we just – you got some mail uh, – the, over the past week, right? That is you want correct. to share that with the group right now? Yeah, actually, from someone that we met in uh, London. Oh, no. Very upset about one aspect of our show, which was a very popular segment in the past, which was Greg would be part of the pick crew and make uh, picks. Yes. And uh-huh. he was a big part of Hero Picks as well, a segment that's been deep six because By Dan. the boss is not By interested. No. No, so, no, yeah, no. he did. Uh, oh, he's got props. He sent something oh, over. You want to open this up? Well, who was it? Who it's sent this? A guy named Christian who we met in London, wonderful guy. And could have kept the hero picks show. And he is. <laughs> Don't try to pass the buck. Christian is a man of, of justice. Could have. He so wants, he, he wants justice for this show. All right, let's see what stuff. Christian from London. Oh, I think I know what this is. <laughs> wow, looks like we got in our hands right now. I'm going to hold it up if you're it's watching on YouTube. Up, oh, thank you. You're going to hold it up here. This is what would you call this? A burlap sack. A burlap sack. A gunny sack. We've talked about during the pick segments on um on Thursdays crazy. when we go around making the pips, picks that perhaps Greg since he's he's chosen not to make picks and he's compromised the segment, could maybe wear a sack on his head uh, when it comes, like, his time to pick and we just, like, keep moving. This Um, will cover half of me. So now we we have the sack, Greg. Your Mm, thoughts? Interesting. My thoughts are that I haven't heard anyone mention missing picks in a long time because no one really notices. Look at the message right here. Bring back hero picks. (laughs) On the bag itself. On to London. With a logo of the Around the NFL. This is very classy. And then hashtag on to London. Greg, would you like to put this on maybe just to I'm not, give us? I'm not putting that on. Oh, so you're not going to play ball for the listeners. You can put it. Can, maybe, maybe it was another show. You know, they, We're not even making picks. What if this had like, what if it was like a, a Jeselnik show uh, thing? Would you put it on then? You can put it on the Redskins. I think not only should you have to wear it, we should be chanting shame in the background while you wear it. Shame. Yeah, absolutely. So, thank you. Who is it? What was his name? Christian. Christian. Excellent work, Christian. Said it all the way from another country. I understand. I probably wouldn't want to put a burlap sack on my head either. Like, I don't, it's not like we're going to get on you about that. But it's sweaty and itchy. It's good, but have it's good that we now have that. I can only imagine. We should, though, now that we have it, we should figure out some way to, like, uh, to penalize us, like if something bad happens, you have to wear the burlap sack. Maybe it's something to thank Tanya. I think it's very Greg-centric. It's probably going to be Greg wearing the sack before, you know, anyone else on the show. Wes has been in a burlap sack before. Well, you go, you know, what? when you're a little kid, you go you to, like, family to picnics me. and you have all these little picnic games. Sometimes they're, like, burlap sacks. Yeah, oh, yeah, the old uh, put the kid in the sack and hit him with a baseball this, bat game. I this love is that. what happens when you grow up with seven brothers in Cincinnati. There's <laughs> not a lot of money. Them? You yeah, you race in them. You I put have, a sack right, legs get get sweaty. Yeah. You, the old burlap sack races. All right. Here we go. So the New England Patriots remain in first place in the AFC East. The second place team in the AFC East is the working class, the real team of the AFC East, the New York Jets. That's the way I look at it anyway. They have hit the midpoint of the season at 5-3 and three after, you know, a hard-fought, I'll call it, 28-23 win over the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Meadowlands, a game uh, that the Jets are very fortunate that they paid the, played the Jaguars today because they jagged it up and found mm. figured out a way to lose the game. Uh, I would say that 28 other teams in the NFL would have beaten the Jets. The mistakes the Jets made, their inability. Here's a crazy, crazy stat. And, you know, 
when I proclaimed a few weeks back that the Jets are good, and I was really excited about that, that was built upon the fact that I thought they had one of the best defenses in the league and uh, maybe a top five or top three running back in the league. Really since that happened, the defense has been middle of the pack at best with secondary issues, which I didn't see coming. Maybe you should wear the sack. Oh, let's not go that far. (laughs) And Chris Ivory uh, has, over the last three games now, has rushed for 84 yards on 55 carries, one and a half yards per carry. This week, this game on Sunday against the Jaguars, they have a pretty good run defense, but 23 carries for 26 yards, which pound for pound is one of the worst performances ever for that many carries According to the Elias Sports Bureau, he did have two touchdowns to save fantasy owners, but they're not running the ball anymore and they're not getting big stops on defense. So the Jets, in my opinion, despite the win here, are in danger if they don't get back to their real formula that made them dangerous in the beginning of the season. There's a crazy stat. 29 rushing yards, that's the fewest in a Jets game in a decade. Wow. 2005. And yet they won. And what's their identity? I thought last week's Jets' defensive performance was one of the most listless of any team all year. Yeah. They Mm -hmm. went through the motions when they tried to tackle, and it sounds like they gave up 430 yards again this week. They, I mean, the the numbers make it look like they had a bad game. I wouldn't say they had a bad game. They had some bad breakdowns, uh, including a uh, three-play 76-yard touchdown drive in the fourth quarter, and then they gave up a quick uh, score at the end of the second quarter as well. But they did do a better job getting pressure on on the quarterback. They did get, have three turnovers, which they've struggled to turn the ball over recently. So there were some bright spots on defense. But Antonio Cromartie, a guy we talked about uh, last week, who's maybe on the other side of the hill now, um, he got beat again you on think? a long touchdown. He's, he's beneath the hill. Well, he's gone into funks in his career and then come back from sure. him. That's how he signed a cheap deal with Arizona. But this time it looks different. He got beat again and then exited this game with uh, some type of quad injury, uh, if you want to assume that it's an injury and not just a guy that is having a bad way right now and came out of the game. Well, I don't think we can – we can't say right now that they have a good secondary anymore, that, that that's a strength of their team. They have Darrell Rivas, who's still a great player. But outside of that, if Screen and Cromartie aren't playing really well – they're not, they're not what you thought they were, at least through this set stretch. I, yeah, I, I'm willing to say that the, I'm, not, I'm not hopeless about their secondary, but there are now concerns about the secondary, which I did not anticipate. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and, and the thing is, if you're not going to run the ball, Ryan Fitzpatrick, who has this thumb injury, it's going to catch up to him because Fitzpatrick again played steady. But you play a better team, you're going to get beat, and that's why I'm worried about the Bills on, on Thursday night. Who's yeah. this new edge rusher you found? Oh, uh, Malden. He, uh, what's his last? Oh, it's a- oh uh, Carl Malden. Malden. Hey, Carl Malden. <laughs> Carl Malden, his name is. Is that his name? <laughs> no, 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 that's Carl. That's, that's no, Alonzo. Alonzo. Alonzo Malden. He's a third or third round draft pick that had two sacks. And this, uh, you know, it gives them an edge rusher, which they don't, they don't have. They have a bunch of guys that can push the pocket in the middle. But if he could be somebody that uh, gets, gets to the quarterback there in a good spot. So, that's promising, but I'm a little nervous. That's yeah, all. They're all by their lonesome right now, though. As the uh, the wild card race goes at five and three, I think ten wins, and you are definitely going to be making the AFC playoffs this year. And nine win, it's probably going to work out that there's a bunch of teams tied or something like that, where the nine win team gets into the playoffs. And what's, what's up with Julius Thomas right now, too? I mean, I, you have Alan Hearns, Allen Robinson, both over hundred yards, and Julius Thomas has like what fifteen yards receiving today. And he didn't look good. He didn't get separation. He had a bad drop and maybe he's still not right but it was a finger injury it wasn't like it was something where it affected his speed or he just doesn't look so far he looks like a bust to me um but those receivers are the real deal and I think Bortles they'll be kicking themselves and when you guys watch this game you're going to be stunned that they blew this game because Mm. they were down five points with six minutes to go first and 10 from the Jets 10 and Bortles loses a fumble uh they go Jets go three and out they punt it back they muff the fun, they muff the punt, mm. and the Jets recover that, and then Brandon Marshall scores the go ahead or the touchdown to put it away. So the Jags, Gus Bradley can't lose too many more yeah, games. Yeah, I mean, like you this. mentioned that 28 other teams would have won this thing, and that's what the Jaguars need to stop being is one of the three teams that can't do it because <laughs> that's I thought the they, I thought South. they turned the corner a little bit against Buffalo, pulling out the win the way they did, 
and they were so excited. Connor Orr actually spent a little time with Gus Bradley after, and they were so fired up. They didn't care how they won the game. They viewed it as a turning point with young pieces starting to show up. But then you turn around and you that, do this. It was that same DNA in the collapse in London before they pulled it out at the end, and they just this time it was it was happening where they don't pull it out. So there's still that team has a way to go. And and for all the AFC. South is lousy. They're two games back in the AFC South, and they have a loss to the first place leader. So when you have a week like this, you're suddenly buried. Right. Uh, moving on. Mike Malarkey for president. How about it? No. No? no? Okay. Well, the Titans there. interim coach is the new Dan Campbell. How about that? Yeah. They did win today. There you That's go. Good. After Tennessee scored an upset 34-28 win over the Saints in overtime, at the Superdome, Colleen Wolf, Connie Fox, the Wolf Woman, Marcus Mariota returned to the lineup, and he He's was back. the man. Yeah, after missing two games, he is back. Um, he started off a little shaky. How in the world, that one pass, I don't know if you guys saw it, to Delaney Walker, it should have been intercepted. Well, that was lucky. Yeah. I mean, it was so, so lucky. But these are the things that are happening with him. He throws that pass and somehow turns into a touchdown. I mean, after that point... He really picked apart the Saints, and he made good decisions. And you look at that offensive line, the pass blocking, they were allowing sacks in mm. every single game. And Mario didn't get sacked once today. It's 21 to 10 in this game at one point, and, that, and seven of those 10 was on the fluke play that should have been picked off for the Saints to blow this game after the couple of wins that they had to get back in the mix is I mean this is a killer loss to lose to the Titans at home it reminds me of we just talked about the Bills and how different they are with Tyrod Taylor in there and you look at the you look what happened with Tennessee with Mariota back in the lineup suddenly the receivers are productive the numbers across the board completely change the running game opens up because their quarterback can do so many different things or because it's, they play the Saints I mean play all the right Saints well that's fair they played a disaster wasn't under center uh, NFL media's Albert Breer, he writes a column or a notebook column on uh, each Friday. He wrote uh, that one of the reasons why the Titans decided to make the change is that Ken Wisenhunt's staff could not protect a quarterback. And so it is, it is telling that Marcus Mariota, the first game with Wisenhunt out the door, doesn't take a sack. And that's the whole thing. they got to protect this guy. And if you're Ken Wisenhunt, by the way, you got to be dying because – he looks like the real deal, Mariota. And all Wizenham had to do was get through this season and get oh. a few wins, and he would have been in, hooked up with a franchise quarterback, which could have bought him years. Even just Instead, to this he's out week. the door. Just get to this week and have this yeah. happen. I don't think they would have fired right. him tomorrow. Mariota's injury essentially cost him his job, which but it goes back to Tennessee, what they may be thinking. That's partly uh, the coach's fault that it happened. Brandon Browner continued to be the worst free agent signing of the offseason, having two penalties in the fourth quarter. He now has 17 for the season, which I believe is like twice as many just about as He's on pace for 34 penalties? That's got to be a record. Didn't he go after a a, a reporter in the locker room? And then he he goes after a reporter, a profanity-laced tirade against a reporter who wasn't even interviewing Brandon Browner. They were interviewing Jarris Bird. Our, uh, our old buddy. It's been hard times for, uh, for Jairus Bird. Ah, Jairus Bird. Our old friend. One of our great friends, Jairus Bird. Jairus Bird. Jairus Bird. Yeah, 2D. Bird was one of the two. Yeah, he was one of the two players, him and Keenan Allen. You know, I mean, uh, Keenan Lewis collided. The ball pops up in the air. Delaney Walker takes it for a long touchdown. And they're asking Jairus Bird about these questions. And then Browner just goes off. It's not about one play. We went to overtime and just went crazy. Yeah. Pipe down, Brandon. You know, You're lucky you got a <laughs> ring bitter. last year, bro. Someone else from the Titans deserves some credit here. We don't talk about him anymore because he plays for he plays in Nashville. But Brian Aratko, every time I watch the Titans, I write down gets consistent heat on the quarterback. And the Saints were flying high. Breeze had joined Roethlisberger as the only two quarterbacks in history to get 850 yards and 10 TDs over a two-game span. Mm. And Arakpo helped shut him down in the second half of the game. A signing that a lot of people said, ridiculous. Why are you going after this guy? And it's worked out well. His I, chest is going to explode. That's what a lot of people were saying. That peck, it might blow. You know what I like, too, in this game? <laughs> How about the overtime first possession touchdown? You know, we don't see enough of that. For the six-point result. To go, you know, also none of this field goal second possession. It's like, we're just going to drop it on you. Speaking the of all time. takes a stand in favor of touchdowns. Bad job by <laughs> us. There's an NFL coach that took the win today. 
in yeah. overtime. Yeah. Mike Zimmer, correct? And it worked out. Yeah. Taking the win. Marty, Marty Mortenweg, wherever you are, buddy. We love you. Did he get a job, Marty? No. A little different with the current Wait, rules. Wait, he's the Ravens offensive coordinator. Marty is? Yeah, Marty I believe Ball. so. Wait, what? Is That's he not? Trustman. Oh, no, you're right. Uh, I, think, wrong no, guy. I think he's probably still being the paid listeners by the will Jets. never hear this interplay. <laughs> <laughs> um, by the way, the Saints, Cute Ravens they, they cannot run the ball at all. And I don't know if you guys saw it, but at the be- right after halftime, they came out and ran three straight run plays, went three and out. Mm. <laughs> like, they just kept going back to him and got nothing. Oh, sad. Well, Colleen, you've said it all. And what do we learn? Uh, we learn that Colleen is a regular contributor on NFL Now's Game Day Blitz program. I feel like you're doing the math when you do the previews. <laughs> There's so many teams. 32 teams. And <laughs> but you know we enjoy having you, and we enjoy having you so much that once again you will be invited to the Fort Committee uh, meeting. That's great. Where there will be Danish and bagels and coffee. And locks. Last week, right? right? It's the last week of the Forks. This is exciting. This is it. Last one. Ever. So we'll see you uh, bright. I don't know how I made it this far, but I'm <laughs> so grateful. Uh, the, we meet at 4 a.m. 4 a.m. on <laughs> okay. Monday. All right. So in a few hours from now. Oh, great. Perfect. Colleen, thank you for yes. joining us, and thank we'll see you, you next guys. week. It's been real. Which takes us to Sunday Night Football at Jarrow World, a game that ended in sudden fashion at Jordan Matthews' 41-yard touchdown reception on the first possession of overtime, the decisive play, in a 33-27 win for the Eagles over the Cowboys. Yes, the Cowboys have now lost six straight games without Tony Romo behind center, but don't hang this one on Matt Castle. He played a very solid game, moving the team uh, when they needed to move, but Sam Bradford, Greg Rosenthal... He was the man that you take out of this game. Yeah, DeMarco Murray did things. Ryan Matthews did things. But Bradford delivered when it counted. And the Eagles are 4-4. Four and four, And the Cowboys are getting close to the junk scrap heat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, put him there. Get rid of him. Sam Bradford, we said if you squinted hard, you could see him getting a little bit better in that game against Carolina before the bye. And I think you saw more of the same tonight. More that just it looked like the Eagles offense in that they were snapping the ball with 25 seconds left on the play clock. They were finally playing some up-tempo ball. They get the ball in OT, and they made the Cowboys pay. Dallas looking gassed on defense at multiple points of this game. Poor beleaguered Matt Castle gets all the grief. The defense gives up 150 yards to DeMarco Murray, 130 yards to Jordan Matthews. This is supposed to be the strength of this team. Totally banged up Dallas squad, and Tony Romo is my MVP pick because this team would be running away with the NFC East if he He's were He's played one and a half games. Well, That's a t- I mean, it's a terrible know. MVP pick, but at the same time, we see your point. Well, my point is you take him off the team, and this is the guy that was the most beleaguered quarterback around before last season, and now you find out they're just no, they're this, nothing without him. I'm a little bit nervous as uh, someone that really enjoys um, Chip Kelly struggling this game makes me nervous, and I know the Cowboys aren't a great team at this at this juncture with the, uh, how beat up they are. But if Sam Bradford's going to play like this and he's going to spread the ball around and they're going to get action out of their backfield from both their key guys, they're going to pile up yards and they're going to win some games. I think they're in the conversation for sure when you're talking about who's going to win this division. Well, I thought th- I think they're going to win it, and I think their defense was what we could rely on, but they really haven't played well the last two weeks, the Eagles' defense. I mean, they gave up a lot more yards, and they had many chances to close this thing out in, you know, before the fourth quarter, and they couldn't do it. The crazy thing with the Cowboys in this whole six-game losing streak is they have been either ahead or tied in the fourth quarter in five of the games. The Patriots was the only game that they didn't have a chance to win in the last three minutes, and they just... Find a new way to lose. It's almost like they lack the character to come through. Mm. Haven't won a game. Wow. Haven't won a game since they brought Greg Hardy on board. It's 0-4. a shame that he was the one who almost hit Sam Bradford on the last play of the game, but just didn't quite get there in time. That is not, a good takeaway. Do we not believe that Dallas, in the final week of the season, will be obviously on prime time somewhere? <laughs> you know what? Though? Be no, I don't. I don't think two really. and six. They're in deep trouble now. I mean, there's no denying that. Because I think, like we were just saying, I think the Eagles, they're probably going to be a team that's going to have around nine wins. I think the Giants are a team you could, you could book probably going to be around nine wins. When you're two and six, you're almost eliminated your margin for error. And Romo's not coming back anytime soon. Well, he, I think he's going to miss one more game. And that would be against the Buccaneers. Then they're at two and seven if they lose that game. It would be amazing, Tony Romo, for everything that he's gone through, if he comes back at two and seven 
leads them to seven straight wins, and then leads them to the Super Bowl title. That's how Tony oh. Romo gets off the schneid. <laughs> Get the burlap sack out. <laughs> wow. It's, it's not going to happen, Greg. It's, it's not going to happen. Anything else in this game, guys? Not a word. Des Bryant looked a lot better. Looked, a, yes. looked like Des. That's a big. So that's a big piece of it, though. But you got. I, I tweeted that Cowboys are a glorious disaster right after this game, and Elliot Harrison, who's uh, you know he works for NFL Media, of course, he does our power rankings. Uh, he's also a Cowboys fan. Went back at me a little angry, like how can you say they're they're beat up? But what you were saying, Greg, they are finding ways to lose. And they're they're losing in heartbreaking ways. That's got to be taking a toll in that locker room. The defense, I think, to Wes's point, has really had a chance to win a couple of these games for him, and it hasn't done it. So that it's a is, shame. yeah, it is terrible. <laughs> That's it. I am really upset. Still win this division. That bad luck has fallen on the Cowboys. That's like, terrible. To think that Greg Hardy's getting in his ninety thousand dollar Cadillac at the end of these Sundays and is disappointed, it does break my heart. The earth is not fair, and that is a prime example. <laughs> Okay, so that is the Sunday recap show. Great work, gentlemen. Uh, you know, as always, stellar job by everyone. And congratulations, Greg. Another week on the throne of ease. 8-0, halfway to 16-0. Is there any doubt that the Cowboys are going to go 8-0 in the second half? The Patriots. Uh, the Patriots, excuse me. <laughs> Why does it have to be about the Patriots? I don't know. Everything's about the Patriots when you're on the throne of ease. Exactly. This is, uh, we'll be back on Tuesday uh, where, yes, we're going to get the Fork Committee together. Uh, we're going to, our power poll, sponsored by, uh, you know, nobody, but our power poll will be back uh, at the midpoint. Talk about that. We might even break out one of our uh, favorite games, but I'll leave it at that for now. A little tease. So, until then, this is Dan Hansa signing off for The Quiet Storm, The Mailman, The Boss, and TD Behind the Glass. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA.